But first, we're going to explore the current running through the fair, electricity. You just couldn't avoid it. Not only was there a whole building dedicated to electricity, featuring electric devices from cigar cutters to toasters to farm equipment, but electric light was everywhere. At night, every building in the White City would have glowed inside and out thanks to hundreds of thousands of arc lights and light bulbs. Elevators swept visitors up to rooftop promenades and restaurants. Spotlights reached the sky, while silent electric trolleys, boats, and moving sidewalks whisked visitors around the fairgrounds. For many of the estimated 27 million Americans who passed through the fair's gates, this may have been their first encounter with electric power. It was certainly the first time any of the attendees would have seen electricity used on such a grand scale. Here's Bernie Carlson again. For the average person, if you had electricity at all, which wasn't particularly likely, you would have to be like J.P. Morgan in the 1880s, and he wanted the new, the newfangled Edison electric light. He had to basically install a steam engine, a generator, <laughs> wires in his house, and then ultimately the light bulbs, which actually went in where you used to have the gas, yeah. the, the gas fixtures. And that was, that was noisy to have a steam engine running in your basement. <laughs> it was expensive and yeah. it was dangerous. And in right. fact, the electricity basically burned through the insulation and set fire to the drapes in one of the rooms. And uh, it illustrates that this was really a high-risk, expensive venture and not for everybody. So what happens between J.P. Morgan's ill-fated home and the wonderful quarter of a million light bulbs that actually make the white city white? So what happens is the organizers of the Chicago World's Fair decide early on that electricity is going to be one of the central themes of, of the fair and that they see it as a way of accomplishing what Daniel Burnham, the director of works for the fair, said is, make no little plans, they have no magic to stir men's blood. And so the, from the get-go, they uh, committed to electricity and, you know, basically asked big companies like Westinghouse uh, from Pittsburgh or the General Electric Company to compete and bid on the fair and with the expectation right from the get-go that it was going to be fully, fully electrified. And you've got one out of every four Americans coming to this fair. Which exactly. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the experience of electricity that people would have when they come to the fair? First and foremost, the manufacturers really focused on, on incredible awe-inspiring demonstrations. So the honor court is all aglow. You see those thousands of electric lights lighting up the buildings. Right, They've right. got, you know, those big towering lights going up into the sky. The buildings are illuminated. The General Electric Company asked Edison to create an 82-foot tower of light ah. with thousands of lights up and down the column yeah. and an eight-foot light at the top which had 30,000 little prisms that were red, white, and blue, because remember, this is, this is America. This is right. patriotism. And at night, the, the, the top bulb rotated around, and you'd, so you'd have these glittering red and blue images like off a disco ball. And so I'd love to see that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that created a sense of wonder in people. It's like, oh, my God, look at the, the, the aesthetic things that we can do with electricity. I think two things that, that the inventors and the manufacturers really implicitly, when you look back, you know, play up. And, you know, one theme is is wonder, and the other is is really democratizing luxury. I mean, yeah. if you think about mm. even kings and queens didn't have the, the sort of convenience that comes very quickly with electricity. People in this period were like, oh, my God, life is going to be entirely different. Hmm. Okay, so, you know, like one of their great phrases is, 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 you know, the manufacturers would say, we are chaining lightning and we're harnessing the thunderbolt. 
And that sounds dangerous. It sounds dangerous. <laughs> and, and boys and girls, it is. It, at the same time, people were amazed that AT&T was there and they had nice, neat female operators. And those operators were routinely placing long distance calls between Chicago and New York or Boston. Huh. And and people, you know, were just blown away by that idea that you could have a, a phone call that was it was happening for 1,500 miles. People were also, in terms of, of wonderment, just completely fascinated that Edison demonstrated his, his first motion picture machine, the kinetoscope. And people would peer into this box and they would see, you know, various things. I mean, one of the very earliest films was, was a guy sneezing. Now that wouldn't do much for us, but that was that was the equivalent of special effects at that point. Yeah, right. So so all of these things, you know, said to people, look at how, all the possibilities. Look at the look at how wonderful electricity is. It's gonna interesting be. looking back on that. We don't think of all of those things as electricity, right? That's right. We think of of film or we think of telephone, but we don't think that it's all being powered by the same thing. Right, yeah. So Edison's kinetoscope thing, if you were to open that box, you yeah. got you've got an electric light, you've got an electric motor. Huh. And 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 so this was this was another application of electricity. And in ways that people had, you know, no previous you know, no preconception before he came up with that. And these things all emerged in just a few years. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, essentially, the as, as again, as as I often tell people, remember that in the mid eighteen seventies, you have you have the telephone is invented is introduced in eighteen seventy six and eighteen seventy eight. Edison Edison starts showing his phonograph in eighteen seventy nine. He invents the incandescent light. I mean, you know, that is an incredible amount of disruptive technology in. In you know, in in less than five years, but they don't really come to fruition until eighteen ninety three, right? Right. That's where the you know that's where you the engineers see them all in one place, right? Yeah, but that's where the engineers, the manufacturers, the business people all have to take those inventions and shape them into commercially viable products. And you know, the this this book that I brought with me it's has a very impressive book. Right. Tell yeah. us about this book. It is it is about seven hundred or eight hundred pages, titled "The World's Columbian Exposition, Chicago, eighteen ninety three. The book really walks you through, um, you know, the major the major exhibits. My favorite passage at the end of this chapter about all the things that electricity can do is this, uh-huh. and it says, "Besides these, will be found in endless profusion exhibits of wires and cables, copper in all forms for electrical purposes, instruments for measuring the current in various ways, and motors, push buttons, and bells. In fact, every known appliance for any and every purpose. In truth, it can be said that a house could, from the contents of the electricity building, be so completely." equipped electrically that there would not be the slightest necessity for lighting a match in it from one year's end to the next. Wow. No matches. No matches. That's your horseless carriage. That's the future. Bernie Carlson is a historian of technology at the University of Virginia and the author of Tesla, Inventor of the Electric Age. 